I got this neat little toy in 2008. Does anybody remember a Blackberry Pearl? I don't know if it qualifies as a smartphone, maybe it was a smart-ish phone, but I loved this thing. I could text, it had a full keyboard and I could text on it instead of hitting the, the numbers three or four times for each single letter. Well, I made a mistake. It's about 11 p.m. My wife and I were trying to, to practice being grown-ups because we had a baby on the way and we were going to bed at 11 p.m., you know, at a, at a respectable time. And at 11 p.m., I pulled out my smartphone and I checked my email. Big mistake. <laughs> 12 a.m. came, 1 a.m. came, and I responded. And boy, I fired off that response. I can't even remember exactly what I was mad about, but I remember the feeling. I can still remember the smells in the room. And I was, I was at level 100. I could not believe that person would email me that. And boy, at 1 a.m., I showed them who's boss and hit send on it and turned over, put my phone down. And then 2 a.m. came. 3 a.m. came, I was still in fight or flight mode and my mind wouldn't stop. It just kept going over and over this problem, this person, what this person was probably thinking, what I did to make them think that and how they were wrong. And, and it was like in my mind, there was this map with all these lines on it and I just could not shut my brain down. Now, this isn't the first time in my life that I, I totally lost the battle for peace. I just had a brand new tool uh, to, to give my peace away in that moment. And that's probably one of the last times I ever checked my email right before I went or I wanted to go to sleep. Um, but this is the kind of dance that I, I practiced throughout my entire life. Even as a little kid, I would lay my head down at night and worry about um, the next day at school, would I get uh, the starting position in the Little League game or uh, anxiety about going to middle school. And, and as I started to grow, like uh, these feelings of guilt over lustful thoughts I had had, um, you know, those, we all have those kinds of thoughts. And most of us have had the experience of laying our head down on the pillow and not being able to go to sleep. And sometimes these thoughts follow us throughout the day, whether we're thinking them consciously or not. Sometimes we can wake up just kind of mad at the world and going through life without any kind of peace. And I don't just mean like, oh, I'm peaceful and this is so blissful, like we're, like we're in Waikiki or something, but just like walking through feeling either anxious, heavy, uh, dead, or numb, and so many of those battles that we fight for our peace are purely in between our ears. And oftentimes, they're, they're thoughts, but they're more than just thoughts. Whether it's worrying about the big exam coming up in college or, or hoping that you get a, a gift or a, a reciprocal gift from someone that you kind of have your little sweet on, or, or whether you're just thinking over and over about impressing people and what you can say or making a good impression. Some of us have an endless audio loop that we play over and over in our minds about words that people have spoken over us. And maybe that audio loop is from 20 years ago or 30 years ago or even further, uh, even further back than that. Or we rehearse about what our life is going to be like if we just get that different job 
or if we just get that promotion that we want, or, or the way we wish our job would change. We obsess over all the imperfections in our relationships, or we obsess over our lack of, of, of relationships. Um, I've seen people, and in my own life, especially over the past 20 years, obsess constantly about politics. If this one person would just change, or if this one policy would just change, or worries. Like these days, this is a very real thing. We worry about the wars in our world. Or we can't even go to the grocery store without being assaulted with images of, of the perfect body. Uh, this this uh, movie star's abs and his workout routine. Or this girl who's uh, in a bikini and makes, uh, makes us look feel like, oh, we're just unattractive, good-for-nothings. You know, the list goes on and on. And I've been a pastor for over 20 years now, and I've watched way too many people lose their battle for peace. And more often than not, it's lost in their minds and in their thought life. And I've experienced this loss of my peace way too many times personally. And I think it's time for us to, to realize that we are not powerless in this process. I've been praying for you Maybe you've just stumbled on here and, and you're checking all this out. Just so you know, whether you know it or not, I've been praying for you, for our church, online, in person, uh, anyone connected to our church and for our world, for us to start winning the battle in our minds for peace. God did not mean for us to walk around with these negative thoughts, to be a captive to these, to these thoughts about ourselves and the world, like you are not powerless in this process. And even more importantly, God is not powerless in this process to help you. You have help available to you. So let's continue our journey. If you missed our if uh, if you missed uh, last week, our sermons are on YouTube. the The teachings are anywhere you download podcasts. I want to encourage you to jump in with us as we journey towards taking our peace back. And before we get to our text today, I just want to give you two ideas right from the front. The first one is, our fight for peace is with the devil. Yes, I believe there is a devil, but stick with me, especially for those of you just checking the church things out, uh, the church thing out. Our fight for peace is with the devil, and the devil is real. And number two, our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from the captivity to lies and to liberate our thoughts with the weapon of truth. So, this is some big ideas here. Like our main ideas, our, our main struggle in this life is separating lies from the truth. Our main struggle in this life is, is discerning between things that are false, and what reality is. So for us, our starting point is Jesus. Can we find any teachings of Jesus to support these two ideas I just shared with you? I am so glad you asked my very leading question. Absolutely. So uh, if you navigate in your Bibles to John chapter 8, verse 32, or maybe you're following along with us on the YouVersion Bible app, all of our sermon notes are there. You can find them. Check out the words of Jesus. He says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
I love this scripture verse. Jesus is the truth. He talked about himself as the way, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I want to give you a little bit of context around the statement from Jesus that the truth will set you free. And there's a, a big conversation here in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 47. And I'm going to summarize a lot of this for us, but going over and over this passage, especially this week, I'm shocked by how spicy this chapter is because there's actually a mob. It's not like the little Sunday school uh, thing that I inherited, uh, this image of these religious leaders coming up to Jesus and nicely asking him these questions. Like the tone now is leaping off of the pages at me. This mob had actually tried to kill Jesus before and they're challenging everything he teaches. They're challenging everything he says and even who he is. And a lot of the people in this mob are the religious leaders of the day, powerful people in the community, and they're fiercely opposing him. And this conversation goes way beyond just uh, questioning his teachings or asking for a little bit of clarity on what he's saying. No, these people are openly hostile to Jesus. And in there, uh, Jesus says in John 8, 31, he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he's saying, if you're really following all this, all of, all of what I'm saying and this good news that I came to bring, you're gonna follow me and you'll know the truth and you'll be free from these thought patterns, these sinful thought patterns that you're having. The conversation with them in Jesus was a huge confrontation that included digs at Jesus. They questioned his parentage, they questioned his, his sanity, and the lang- in the original language in here, there's insults that are, that are so vulgar, I won't even use them in the context of a worship setting like this. And then continually, uh, as he responds to these people, his teaching points towards the fact that he came to earth to bring liberation from the bondage of sin. And he continually talks about uh, there's a, this form of spiritual slavery that humans can live in, and he came to liberate us from that. And what he was saying then is true now of you and I, that we are invited to follow Jesus and to experience the liberation that comes from being freed from these thoughts that are more than just thoughts. So in in this passage, he drops also his most in-depth teaching on the devil. In-depth teaching that we have where Jesus is speaking directly uh, about the devil. And interestingly, it happens when he's talking to the religious leaders of the day. Now, here's the teaching. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 44, and he's talking to these Pharisees and says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So don't miss this. So here we have... In, in the middle of, of all these different accounts of Jesus' life, where he's confronting the dark forces of evil, that, that Jesus f- 
finally confronts and talks about the devil in the midst of a conversation about truth and lies. I mean, we see him, especially in the book of Mark, casting out demons, raising the dead to life. I would expect Jesus to teach on this a lot more, but instead it comes out when he's talking about the truth and lies. This is really important, and we're going to unpack this, unpack this because this little scripture verse has three very important implications for us today about Jesus' comments on the devil. And first of all, the devil is real. For Jesus, the devil is a real intelligence that's at work in our world today, a powerful intelligence. And there's, there's not time or, or room in our time here today to get into an exhaustive treatment of the devil, and, and I don't actually think that's appropriate here. I want us to, to put this on our radar, though, because with our Western hyper-rational minds so often, even if we're open to uh, scriptures, most of what's in our culture says that we only believe what we see, hear, feel, taste, you know, what we can have with our five senses. But when, when stuff is going on in our life and we're experiencing these thoughts that aren't just thoughts, I think this is important for us to remember that we are in a battle. This, uh, there's this movie that I watched when I was a, uh, a film major called The Usual Suspects. And there's a character in there named Kaiser Soze, who's ironically played by Kevin Spacey, the actor. But here's the quote. It says, nobody believed he was real. That was his power. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. So I, I know we, we live in this world where we understand so much, but Jesus took this seriously, and I think we should too. And when I said the devil is real, maybe you come from a, a Christian background where they talked about spiritual warfare a lot. And I think a lot of what has been taught, at least what I've inherited from my spiritual background, may not actually be what Jesus is talking about here. Because I don't think that there's a devil under every rock, a demon under every rock, and that everything is a spiritual battle. Oh, my, my five-year-old dumped his breakfast on the, on the table this morning. Oh, that, the devil's trying to get me today. No, my, my five-year-old is just a messy eater sometimes. I'm making that up, uh, pulling that out of my ear right now. So I'm not saying that we need to look for demons under every single, behind every bush, <laughs> but also... Not every good parking spot that we find at the store is a spiritual victory. Like, well, there's the favor of God right there. Um, no, it's, it's much more subtle than that most of the time. Like, like the quote we talked about, the devil loves to fly under the radar. And that leads us to point number two. So point number one is the devil is real. And number two, the devil's end goal is to spread destruction in our souls and in this society, Jesus called him a murderer from the beginning. And he's talking about Genesis 3 there, Adam and Eve and the serpent. The end result of that is, is the destruction, the, the entropy, I think, was created there, where the universe started moving from order to chaos. And that was the devil's doing, planting those lies right there in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that? You know, the Apostle Peter echoes this in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 8. 
He tells us, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Now, as a pastor, uh, people usually when they find out that I'm a pastor, usually start asking me, is this a sin? Is that a sin? Or they'll start talking about these painful situations that they've experienced or that they know about. And they start asking, what is the reason? And there's not always a good reason that, that we can understand. But as I was preparing for this, I kept thinking, the devil, the devil's out there in our soul, uh, trying to get our souls and trying to destroy them. And the devil's out in society, trying to cause destruction wherever he possibly can. But the good news here in there from Peter is, he says, resist him. Remember that last line? Resist him. With the help of Jesus, we can resist the devil. Which brings us to the third implication of Jesus' teaching on the devil. The devil's primary method of working in this world is lies. Jesus said his lies are his native language. And just to put this in some perspective, in the original language, Jesus is using the word diablos. Uh, it's where we get the Spanish word diablo. <laughs> and the root words there in the original language are to slander or accuse. That the accuser of our souls. Other places in scripture, the devil is called the great dragon who deceives the world or the ancient serpent who leads the world astray. Did you catch something there? There's no actual name that Jesus uses for the devil. It's only titles. Jesus isn't even, Jesus isn't treating the devil like he's Voldemort in a Harry Potter novel, like he who must not be named. I think it's a dig saying, okay, yeah, he's there to seek and kill and destroy, but God is so much more powerful. One of my mentors when I was young talked about the darkness and how scary it can be and how you could go to, to space where there was just complete darkness. And if you could go that far out where not even the light of stars could reach, you could cut that darkness with a 50 cent flashlight. Like the darkness is dark, but the light is so much stronger. And Jesus is saying, oh, the accuser? Okay, whatever. Peter's saying, yeah, there's a devil who seeks to, to steal and kill and destroy. Resist him. Resist him. So the devil is real. He wants to seek and kill and destroy us. And, and his primary method is lies. And in my research uh, for this, and so many of, if there's a good idea in here, it's actually coming from my research. There's a book, if you wanna go deeper into this, it's called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And we're gonna be coming back to that maybe in a, in a series this summer or, uh, where we, we do a little book study together. So if you wanna go deeper into this, I highly encourage you uh, to read this book. But uh, he talks about in there, uh, in the first chapter, that there was this guy in the late fourth century, this young intellectual. His name was Evagoras Ponticus. Sounds like a real fancy Greek name. Like, who was a Jesus follower, and he read about Jesus going into the desert. And Evagoras, and I don't, um, I don't condone this. I'm not encouraging this. I'm just describing what happened. So this young intellectual goes into the desert of Egypt 
to fight the devil. I mean, that is pretty radical right there. But the crazy thing about the story is that the rumor started to spread that he was winning. And he wrote a book. He was encouraged to write a book that you can still find on Amazon. And it's called Talking Back, a monastic handbook for fighting demons. I mean, come on. What a title. <laughs> I wish that guy could title uh, sermons or title books today. Talking Back, a monastic handbook for fighting demons. And, and I've, I've looked through this book and honestly, even though I follow Jesus and I believe that the devil is real and that he's a liar and all that kind of stuff, I kind of expected some mumbo jumbo and some over spiritual stuff in there, but it's actually really good. And it's crazy to me that there's stuff in there that was written, what, 1800 years ago, 1600 years ago, that that is actually applicable to now. And some of the techniques that, that the people who discipled me uh, have used, and we'll come back to that. But for now, and, and spoiler alert, like his, uh, his method was to capture a thought, to write it down when he had a sinful thought, an anxious thought, uh, a negative thought about himself. He would, he would write down that thought or that sensation or whatever it was and bring it to God in prayer. And then he would ask God to help him get to the lie beneath that thought beneath that urge he felt. He said, God, what is the lie there? Is it you know, my need for security? Is it my need for acceptance? Is it my, what, what is the lie that I'm believing right there? And then the most important part, he would hold that light up, that lie up to the truth of scripture that God has given us. And he would pray about it and ask God to give him a scripture. He would search scriptures for it. And, and that was the, the basic pattern that he used to fight the devil. Um, you know, capture the thought or the sensation. Ask God to help him get to the, the thing underneath the thing. What is the lie that I'm believing here? And what is the truth? Now, a quick word about fighting the devil. C.S. Lewis wrote this satirical piece called um, The Screwtape Letters. And there's some amazing things in there. But in there... There's this one demon writing to an apprentice demon, and they're, they're trying to strategize about how to throw humans off. And uh, in the screw tape letters, there's a little passage that goes like this. There are two equal and opposite heirs into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. So, <laughs> I don't want us to go to either extreme and say, okay, I'm just going to shut my ears and, 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 and put my head in the sand. No, because we're actually in a fight and that's a really good way to get taken out. The other extreme is to get overly, overly infatuated with this kind of thing. Like, I think what Jesus would, would encourage us to do looks a lot like when we used to change the channel without a remote control, like turn the knob. Or if you don't have one of those TVs, to take the remote control and turn the channel. It's not that we, we, we work up our, our testosterone or our adrenaline or whatever and say, I'm going to fight the devil. No, Jesus contrasts himself 
in the next few verses, you talked about Satan being the, the murderer, a liar from the beginning. Our task in resisting the devil is to turn the channel and think about what is good and pure and true and right and true. Jesus goes on to say in verse 45, yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. He's still talking to the Pharisees. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. So to contrast Jesus with the devil, Jesus is a truth teller. Jesus is righteous. And Jesus wants us to make truth our focus, not the devil our focus, but when those thoughts come, and they come, it's a continual practice of changing the channel, saying, okay, we have to acknowledge that we have sinful thoughts. We have anxious thoughts, depressive thoughts. That is a normal part of human existence. Our role in resisting them is training our hearts and our minds to turn the channel towards the truth. What does God say about you? Who does God say you are? Who does God say you belong to? If you turn control over your life to Jesus, you belong to God. If you've turned over control of your life to Jesus, when God looks at you, he, he says things, the same things that he says about Jesus. There's my son. There's my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. So this week, I want to challenge you. I want to double dog dare you to, to ask yourself the question, to get in prayer and ask, where are you going to put your faith? Are you going to put your faith in truth, in what God says, or in the lies that, that, that live maybe in the dark corners of our lives? What are you going to put your faith in? Because you have faith in something. You may not even profess to have a faith and you're watching this, but you have faith in something. And as you're, as you're examining your life, of uh, where is your faith? What are you trusting in? I want to encourage you to take the first baby steps towards your own monastic handbook towards fighting the devil. And, and we don't have to go out and live in the desert, though, if you're watching from Palm Springs, hello, maybe you're already fighting the devil. But right where you are in your day-to-day -day life, don't, don't try to fix everything all at once, but start the baby step process and capture one sinful thought, one negative thought, and, and write it down and talk to God about it. And ask God to reveal the lie behind that feeling or that, that urge or whatever it is. And then ask God for the truth that beats the lie. What is the light? Shine the light of scripture on that lie. That you will no longer be tossed to and fro by the ways of this world. That God, you know, uh, the truth that God can supply all of your needs according to his, his riches and glory. Uh, just a little tip here, as you're searching scripture for the truth, Google is your friend. <laughs> you can Google a search, uh, you do a Google search, Bible plus worry, Bible plus finances, Bible plus parenting, or whatever it is, 
and, and, and ask God to show you like what is the truth. Memorize that scripture when you find it and quote it to yourself over and over again when those thoughts come. Like I said before, this isn't going to be a silver bullet sermon or silver bullet time that's going to make all your problems magically go away. This is our first baby step together for us to come together and resist the devil. And what you're facing, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it's probably bigger than you. And another good news part of this is is the method Jesus has for us to fight the devil is to not do it alone. Jesus has wired us to need community. So whatever you're up against, we want to pray for you. We have uh, prayer partners that, that watch the comments on this, or you can reach out to us at sgbic.com. Uh, if, if you need some encouragement and, and want some encouragement on this journey, don't do it alone. We would love it if you would reach out to us. Let us know how we can pray for you. Maybe you need someone with outside perspective, even as you do a Google search for worry or, or whatever it is. Maybe nothing's leaping off the screen at you. Maybe you need someone to speak truth over you and say, mm, mm, nope, that's a lie. You know what God's word says? Maybe the outside eyeballs on your life is the way God will speak to you. And we would love, there are people here who would love to be that. And, and put your faith Last challenge, put your faith in Jesus and put your faith in Jesus's words because Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So let's take a moment right now just to examine our hearts. And um, if, if already there's something that's kind of bubbling up in you going, I know I believe this lie, I, I just can't beat it. I wanna pray for you right now. That, that you begin to experience the first baby steps out of captivity towards those thoughts. So let's, uh, let's, wherever you are right now, please just bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to come together like this. And right now, as we are gathered together as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we lift up everyone who is believing a lie right now. God, will you please open their minds, open their hearts, and open our eyes to see the truth. Will you please give us a hunger and a thirst for truth? Help us to work up an acquired taste for us and to not give up until we find the truth and we find you. So God, I pray for every hurting heart, every heavy heart, every anxious mind, God, I pray the peace of God over them right now. Give us the wisdom to take the next step. Give us the wisdom that, that we need and the courage we need to admit that we need help. We can only do this with your help. And God, I pray right now for your protection. As now we're, our perspectives are on the, the fact that we're in a battle, God, I pray that you, as the God of the angel armies, will surround us and do battle for us. God, go before us as we, as we continue this journey and, and do battle for us. We pray your protection over every single person who can hear my voice right now. God, in the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, all right. 
I can't wait to see how your baby steps are going. Please let us know, uh, like I mentioned before, during the week, how you're doing with us. And uh, until then, I want to just leave you with this blessing as another way to turn the channel in your mind and your heart towards the truth of Jesus and what God says about you. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may you hear God's voice telling you you are loved, you are valued, you're believed in, and you are made in the image of God. May you sense God smiling upon you, and may God this week give you his tangible peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.